The Financial Planning South Africa podcast is intended for professional financial advisors. All discussion is limited to publicly available information and should not be interpreted as legal, professional or financial advice. Hi, I'm Louis van der Merwe, Certified Financial Planner. Join me every week where I get to have discussions with global leaders in the financial planning space to help you serve your clients better and run a more efficient financial planning practice. This is Financial Planners South Africa podcast. Portfolio Metrics is thrilled to bring you this podcast in support of our common passion for people and the evolution of wealth management. Our global business links precision investment management to expert financial advice through partnerships and technology. Portfolio Metrics is an authorized financial services provider. Comspace is a revenue management solution developed specifically for independent financial advisors. It is a web-based application that tracks, allocates, and manages advisor revenue. The system seamlessly reads commission statements from financial institutions and can address any permutation of commission splits. Comspace provides mind-blowing, out-the-box revenue business intelligence and analytics, along with super-flexible reporting to effectively manage and grow your business. Welcome to another episode of Financial Planners South Africa. Today in the studio, I have with me Mac Gardner. Mac is the CEO, the Chief Education Officer at Finlet Tech, the author of two books, including The Four Money Bears, which is one we'll chat a little bit about today, and super passionate about educating clients. Mac, thank you so much for joining me today. Lewis, thank you so much for having me. Truly an honor and a pleasure to uh, to join you on your show today. Mac, your name popped up on LinkedIn quite a few months ago. And kind of what struck me is that this passion for educating people, but specifically educating kids, like starting at a, a really young age. And what I loved about it is, is how you simplified financial planning. And so looking at the four money bears, it's a concept that I started using, you know, chatting to our clients. Give us a little bit of a backstory. How did the four money bears come about? Sure. The The idea of the four money bears came about uh, actually through my first book. So my first book is titled Motivate Your Money. Uh, I had my practice uh, in Houston and I, I, I've been blessed to have been in this business for 20 plus years and I've worn a lot of different hats, right? So I uh, started off in retail banking, and then I went to trust administration, and then I did commercial and corporate lending, and then I did uh, corporate 401k plans, and then you know financial planning. So I, I, I have all these years experience. And the thing that was very surprising to me was that so many of the people that I was working with, and, and these were millionaires, these are people that had money, didn't have a lot of basic financial planning education understanding. And I was like, wow, this is interesting. So my first book is titled Motivate Your Money. And I wrote that one for adults. So adults could have, you know, uh, baseline understandings of certain concepts that we take for granted in the business. And I, you know, I have my Mac Nuggets, little, 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 you know, words or sayings or, you know, ideas to just simplify stuff for, for adults. One of my clients came to me. Lewis and was like, hey, Mac, love the Mac Nuggets, love Motivate Your Money. Would you be open to writing something or creating something for kids? And we both had elementary school uh, students at the time. So I was like, okay, how old? She said, like elementary school. <laughs> I said, oh, it should be fun. So my first book, I talk about the five steps to financial success. You have to plan accordingly, spend cautiously, 
save diligently, invest wisely, and give generously. These are just five steps that that folks I've been working with for years, unbeknownst to them, they were doing it. And, you know, they had money to retire, to pass on for legacy planning. And so I said, okay, how could we dilute this or make it something where a child can understand? And I said, well, there's only four things you can do with money. Spend it, save an investor to give it away. And that is how the four money bears came to be. Spend a bear, save a bear, invest a bear, and give a bear. I think it's so brilliant that you simplify it and you like move down apart from just generating that income, like looking at these three areas of four, at least four areas, the four things that you can do. The one that often seems amiss to me is the giver bear, right? In conversations with clients, it doesn't always come up. You know, we're, we're used to thinking of legacy planning and, oh, I'll leave some of that money behind when I pass away or I often associate that with older clients. How do we bring that into our conversations as financial planners with younger couples that might have a budget that's super tight? Like, How do you see that giver component fit into their budgets? And also then, you know, what does that bring to them when they get it right? One of the areas that we really were looking at with the For Money Bears book is, is the early awareness and we believe the earlier a person understands what their options are with money and the earlier they can start doing these things with money, it's easier for them to do it when they're adults. So case in point, I, I do this thing called a $100 bill challenge. I go to elementary schools and I take out this $100 bill and I'm like, okay, first and foremost, there's no answer you can give me <laughs> to get this $100 bill. Okay, kids? And then, you know, the kids start laughing and everything, but it gets their attention. And I ask them, I say, hey, look, if I give you this $100 bill, what would you do with it? Nine out of 10 kids raise their hand and they would spend it. And what it really started to show us, Lewis, is that children are conditioned to consume from a very early age. And so kids understand the spend and they understand the save, right? They know they can put money in a piggy bank. And for the most part, that's it. So what our thought process is, we need to explain to them that they have four options, Right. You can do things other than just spend it and save it. And those two other options are really important, not just in your life today, but in the future as you become an adult. And those two other options are the ability to invest the money to make it grow and the ability to give to others because there's always going to be someone less fortunate than you. And it's, it's important to have these habits in your life early so that when you are in your 20s and you're sitting with a financial advisor, we're not prying them to do it because they've already been doing it. They've been doing it from very, very early age. And then they can understand that benefit and how it not just helps their community, but helps them as well. Mac, that actually reminds me, yesterday I was reading a book um, from one of the authors from Gallup that spoke about well-being. And one of the elements is community. And how they were sharing how giving back and uplifting your community adds so much to our personal well-being. And so now it's this thought of, hey, financial planners are playing in the area of well-being and bringing in money to facilitate that. Yeah. So we look at this bigger picture of financial wellness. And and one of the reasons why we started Finlet Tech is our mantra is to build a bridge between financial literacy and financial technology. We believe there's a formula to to the financial wellness space that people are trying to 
get to. These are our clients. These are financial advisors trying to help their clients. So there's the financial literacy, right, which is education. Extremely important. You need to have that education out there. But there's a problem. You need the financial capability. You need to give people the tools in order to reach financial wellness, right? Uh, So in our mind, with regard to the four money beers, the book is a neat tool. We're developing an app called the Four Money Bears Berryville. And the idea is, okay, here's education. We've got that. Here are now the tools to be able to allow an advisor to say to a client with a young child, hey, play this game, understand these concepts, implement these concepts, and then take that into the real world. Right? So that's why I think technology and fintech has a, a big, big part. It plays a big role in helping society, you know, and all these communities get better because we can have this education, we can provide these tools, digital tools, and we can leverage these digital tools and provide them to communities that have been underserved and overlooked for years. So yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Financial wellness is where everyone's trying to get to. And we live in a time where there's technology being developed to, to really enhance that and get us there um, a lot faster than we may have in the past. Can we maybe talk a little bit about practically how that would work? So if I understand this correctly, the child would install this on their iPad or iPhone. They'd be able to play the game or like whatever platform it would be available. What would be like, what would this game be about? Like share a little bit about that. Yeah, we, 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 (laughs) this is funny because when we wrote the four money bears book, we really didn't expect to get the sort of feedback that we did, the response that we did. Um, I, I wrote it years ago and, and, Proud to say that we act, we have global uh, a, a global brand that we're developing. Really, when we have sales in Canada, South Africa, uh, UK, uh, France, Germany, it's 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 really amazing. Uh, and what it shows us is that financial literacy is not just a US problem; it's a global issue. But what some of the feedback that we would get is, Mac, love that you wrote this book to teach kids about what to do with money once they get it are you writing a book to teach kids how to earn money? (laughs) Because that's pretty important too. And so what we decided to do with the For Money Bears Berryville app is to create a gamified financial education solution that teaches what I call both sides of the personal finance fence. And here's what I mean. The premise of the game, it's, it's a farming game. You inherit your family's berry farm. And so you have to take care of the farm and you have to earn money through farming these berries. So that's the entrepreneurial side that we're, we're, we're looking to really engage young people. And then once you've earned the money, we now have the four money beers interacting with the player to provide quests and quizzes and give guidance on what to do with the money now that you have it. So that's really the, the, the overall premise of, uh, of the four money beers. Very well is, is to help, help engage young people and serve as the sort of their first digital um, financial education experience, a sort of digital lemonade stand. Mac, that is brilliant. I remember growing up playing a game called Theme Hospital and you also had a bank account and you were running a hospital and kind of it teaches you, thinking back now, it teaches you ideas of business, right? It's life skills that is so desperately needed. And obviously you are extremely passionate about financial literacy. How do you couple that with kind of finding shorter term evidence that you are moving the needle? Because these things are 
30-year plans, right? You'll only see the fruits of Berryville, excuse the pun, 30 years from now. Like, what are the short-term measures that you're looking at to see if you if you are moving the needle or moving in the right direction? Okay, I love that question. And, and, and just for everyone listening, you did not prep me with that question before this conversation. But so, so with the Four Money Bears Berryville, what we've done is we've developed a new methodology for delivering financial literacy. And we call it the TAT method, T-A-T. We teach, we analyze, and we track the progress. And the question you pose, Louis, is so important because financial literacy to this point has been very sort of one and done. Like you give a kid a book, <laughs> hey, read this book, and all of a sudden you're financially literate. It, it doesn't work like that. Financial literacy education is based on and derived from behavior. Behaviors, early healthy financial behaviors, right, become uh, you know financial traits and then eventually become who you are as a person. So habits, behaviors, and traits is what I like to say. That is really key to our game. This user, and it's not just for kids, by the way. My developers are always say, Mac, it's not just for kids. It's seven plus. It's seven. Adults can play this game. Anyone who wants to play and learn about money can play this game. But the whole idea is for us to be able to, to, to teach financial literacy, utilizing the game, analyze what this user's doing. Uh, from a young person perspective, we have this uh, hypothesis that most kids are going to be spenders <laughs> and most young people are going to be spenders in this game. And so we're going to be able to to analyze what they're doing and sort of nudge them to to do different things and, and try different things with their money, investing, saving, giving, so on and so forth, and then track that progress over time to be able to show the parent who's going to get a report, say, hey, this is how your child is doing. Or for enterprises, financial institutions, uh, banks, we're working with banks uh, that have Community Reinvestment Act divisions that want to be able to say, hey, we're giving back to the communities, but we've never been able to track the data on how well these people are doing or any of this stuff is working. That's what our platforms could be able to do. So it's, it is a fun teaching platform, but it's also going to be able to collect this data and really show folks over time, hey, look, this is the progress being made in these communities and these areas through a game. I love how you put that, that it's actually a behavioral change, right? The work that we do with our clients and their future generations is about changing habits. It's about making decisions that, you know, will leave a lasting impression and build additional wealth and help other people. But why is that so difficult to change someone's behavior? So from the financial um, literacy side, we talk about the aspect of socialization a lot. Uh, if you if you look at our deck and look at the, the work where we put together and put out there, um, we talk about language and food and certain things in our lives just becoming a part of who we are because it's socialized at a very, very early age, right? I like to say that all we are at the end of our days is, is, is a collection of stories. We literally just go through life hearing and sharing stories. And our children, right, if you're a financial planner, if you're a financial advisor, our kids are going to be lucky to hear what stocks are, what bonds are, why budgeting is important, you know, 401ks, IR, all those things. Nine out of 10 kids won't hear this stuff because they don't grow up in households that are CFPs or CPAs or, or what have you. And so our thought process is if we can get this book into the hands of kids or families with young kids, 
And then all of a sudden, the narratives in these households change. The stories in these households change. And when this child gets $100 for a birthday or for whatever, you know, the holiday, instead of running out and blowing it <laughs> on sneakers or toys or candy, they can sit down with mom and dad. And we haven't talked about that, that bridge yet, but I'd love to talk about that further down in the conversation. But they can now look at mom and dad and say, hey, you know what? Let's take $25 and buy something cool. Let's take $25 and put it in a you know piggy bank or put it somewhere. The technology is around that allows people to buy fractional shares. So a child can buy $25 worth of Nike or Coca-Cola or, or, or whatever, or five bucks or whatever, I and then give $25 to someone else. So that's really what we're looking to do with the book. And then the, 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 the app or game just expands that and allows us to scale the story and scale the resource uh, a lot easier. So, Mike, are you talking about real, actual money that's going into account that they would allocate, or would it be kind of a, a ghost portfolio that you often see these simulators work? So, for the game, it, it's educational. That's mm. how we're starting it off. But we've been approached by fintech companies, financial institutions who want to be able to utilize our game on their platform. Uh, so if you're a bank you know, and you're playing the game, you can you know, push a little button and then connect to that bank and you know maybe see your account, so on and so forth. But we, what we found is that there's a bunch of fintech out there to help you do stuff with your money, banking, investing, lending, insurance. There's not a lot of fintech out there to actually help teach you what to do with your money. And so that's the lane that we're really looking to stay in or early in the development of the game. But guess what? Each beer represents some function of money, right? And there's going to be uh, uh, opportunities for you know banks, investment companies, insurance companies, um, not-for-profits uh, to, to incorporate our game in, into, their, into their platform somewhere. I think it's, it's so important to make sure that there isn't misaligned incentives, right? Because oftentimes we see that the education is aligned with whatever product that company or institution is selling. But you're saying like, let's give you a proper basic understanding. At what point does it get more advanced? At what point do you uh, approach things like credit and like lending, like insurance that you mentioned? Yeah. So we have been working on our second book and, and a bevy of new characters, uh, Banker Box Turtle, Lender Lion, Omnibus Owl, and Crypto Cat. We've actually developed a character that will be teaching. Yeah, I know. Everyone loves Crypto Cat. It's like, oh my gosh. If, if, if one more parent asks, Mac, are you developing something to help me teach my kids about cryptocurrency? Uh, but that, that's definitely in the works. The thought process with the four money bears is, you know, those four functions of money, Lewis, they're, they're never going to change. At least I don't think in any of our times, um, those four functions, what, how we envision the four money bears platform is, you know, we can have sort of a pack for elementary school, right? And then a pack for middle school, a pack for high school, and then just have those four concepts, but just have the the outputs and have the the content on the platform you know engaging different age groups uh so that we can talk about all these different things but i i think you've got a great point we need to be able to meet people where they are when it comes to financial education which is why we decided a gamified solution because our target demographic is you know elementary school sort of you know five to ten um but we're also working on other other 
ideas, concepts, and platforms to engage the full spectrum of, uh, of consumer out there. So Mac, just like there's books out there to help parents with the birds and the bees conversations, there will now be a book to help with the bear conversations, right? Exactly, exactly. And and it's funny, some of the responses that we've got from parents who have bought this book for their kids is, you know, Mac, thanks for not making this book too kitty or too babyish uh, because parents, we have worksheets in the book. And parents will flip through and like, oh, thanks for explaining what a stock is, what a bond is, you know, uh, real estate and precious metals, all these different things for investing, all these different ways that you can give back. But what we found is that in the process of educating the child, a lot of the times the parent gets some some good nuggets of information as well. And we want this to be uh, from the book and for the game, a, a collaborative experience where everyone in the household is learning. What surprised you most of creating this and just putting it out in the world? Honestly, where it's gone and the the amazing stories that I get. I'll share one with you that that moves me to this day. I had a colleague in uh, in Florida, you know, gave her a copy of the book first. She has young children. She's in banking, investment banking. And she said, she said she'd never forget she gave the book to her son. Son came in. She's getting ready in the morning to go to the office. The son came in with a book and said, Mama, I want to buy a Maserati when I get older. If I want to buy a Maserati, I have to be an investor bear. And it, 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 and the, her child was like six or seven years old. And she was like, I didn't think he could understand and make that connection. But in this child's mind, he saw that investor bear is the one that allows your money to grow and grow more. So in order for him to make a lot of money <laughs> to afford this car, that's what he needs to do with his money. So it's just hearing those stories of young people getting it. And and I think a lot of times parents take take their kids for granted that they they won't understand this stuff or you know it's it's, it's above their pay grade, but there was a Cambridge study that came out that shows that a child's connectivity with money actually starts by age 7. So by age seven, they're listening to mom and dad. And in fact, the first behavior, financial behavior a child picks up is their parents' spending habit. So that's really the, the cool thing, I think, is, is really hearing the stories about how parents and their kids are, are, are looking at money differently uh, be, because of our book. That's so true. And in our conversations with clients, we often ask, what's your earliest memories around money and how how's that shaped you? And these are things we carry around 40, 50, 70 years later when we make decisions of how to invest our retirement savings or which pension to, to use, the things that shaped us. Like back in the day. I, I talk about the three R's of our relationship with money and starts really early in life. The first R is, you know, as a child, someone puts money in your hand and you realize, hey, this is money. So that's the first R you realize. The second R is you recognize what it does, right? And so if you're a young person and someone says, hey, with this money, you can go to the store and buy something or you can put your piggy bank and you can save it, you start recognizing what it does. And then that third R is you start to rationalize how to use it, right? Okay. I know what it is, know what it does. This is how I'm going to use it. So now imagine, Lewis, that now you've expanded the awareness of an individual from not just two functions to four. And now there's this realization and then recognition that they have these other options. Imagine how you then rationalize what to do with it to your point. 
hey, I can invest this money. Okay, if I start, imagine a, imagine a young person at age seven starting an investment portfolio. You know, we talk about the 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 wealth gap. You talk about all these inequalities in, in around the country, but just providing a little education and the tools for young people. And imagine the runway now. You've got a 30, 40, 50, 70 year runway because you started investing when you were seven and not in your 20s as most people do. And then giving and, and, and all these other functions, uh, things you could do in your community because you started a, a, a practice of giving money to either communities or organizations from a very, very early age. And that's now part of your DNA. I think amazing things can happen in our society. Mac, that hits home because in South Africa, we're the country with the largest gap, the largest inequality. They measure it through Gini coefficient. I'm sure you know, but that is the problem that we as a country are grappling with. And yet the friction is so low for people to spend and for people to borrow money. And as we're getting more and more digital, you know, it's, you don't even need to carry a card anymore. You can just tap your phone and there you go. Like, are we moving away from actually realizing and rationalizing the value of money, like specifically for our kids? I, I think we could. Uh, I've talked to folks about how technology is changing our ability to spend and our ability to interact with money and how that is <laughs> it, 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 because it's making it so easy to do that the need for more education is greater, right? When when we were in a cash-based economy and you had that $10 in your hand and you were pretty much, (laughs) that $10 is what you got, you know? Um, Now we're in in an economy where uh, credit is a lot easier to get. It may be high cost, but it's it's easier to get. and you're not constrained by that physical cash anymore, to your point. We, we just, you, you got a phone, you got something on here, and then you just go and you boop. And, and all of a sudden, if it's more effective and efficient to spend, that's great for the economy and great for these consumers, but and these businesses, but how great is it for the end consumer who's never gotten the education to say, hey, look, you can't just spend everything. You've got to start giving your money purpose and giving them missions to do certain things. So that's why I think it's it's we're in an age where it's it's really important to start exposing um, younger folks to these functions of money and what what their options are so that they don't fall into these traps to just go ahead and consume willy-nilly and all of a sudden find themselves in a ton of debt. This is helpful for our profession too, because I tell people, you want an educated client. You want a client that has a need for us, that views what we do as important. Because you don't want someone that's not that doesn't have money, that that doesn't want to listen to why planning is important. We want that as as a um, as a profession, and so I think by educating our clients, and and then they'll know when to come to us because they're like, look, I know what to do this stuff, but I need someone that can really take it to the next level and help me out. Uh, I think financial education is is key to some of these things. I often think about an entrance exam for clients to say, well, before you qualify, like write an exam on what these basic things are. Um, Cause we still have clients asking us, you know, what, what, what do we call what you do? I don't like, well, how do these things work? And a certain element is probably just the trust and, you know, outsourcing it. They, if they wanted to do it themselves, they wouldn't be there in the first place. I want to talk to you a little bit about the impact that we see in, in specifically financial planners starting out and losing almost that that value of money, right? You're working with large investment 
amount. And when you look at your own money, it can, you know, you can almost lose the concept of what these figures been and what it relates to. So I want to hear from your experience as someone that has more than 20 years experience in this profession. How did that impact you dealing with large investment numbers and like large figures when looking at your own finances? One of the reasons why I started my own practice was because I I was fortunate to be in roles working in the high net worth, ultra high net worth space. And the the bit of advice I would give to advisors that are out there who, you know, maybe seeing these big numbers and kind of looking at different things is every great oak was at one point an acorn, right? You just happen to be coming into these people's lives at this stage of their life, right? You don't know the backstory about how that money got there, the 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 business they may have started, maybe it was inherited. And so all, all that stuff honestly is, is 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 inconsequential. Your role as an advisor is to provide guidance and to provide advice. Uh, I like to joke around that you can't eat tomorrow which you didn't plant yesterday, right? So as an advisor, if you're starting off, okay, you may not have all these millions of dollars in your account, but theoretically, if, if you stay in the business long enough, you take care of enough people, you could build a book of business that is quite significant and your own personal or your firm's worth could could grow uh, in, in, lock, in lockstep with it. So the amount of commas in your client's <laughs> uh, balance sheet uh, or, or financial plan really has nothing to do with it because the family and the future, I talk about the three Fs in my first book, Family, Finance, and Future. When I would sit down with advisors and I was coaching them, I would coach, the first thing we would talk about isn't finances at all. It's family. What does the family dynamic look like? Do you have kids? Do you have uh, your parents are with us? Do you have siblings? And here's why. That's what drives the money, not the money driving the family. And then what's the future goals? Because I've actually sat down with this and, and, and you probably have your, your share of horror stories, people that have you know two commas in, in, their, in their overall net worth. But because the family conversation wasn't discussed and because we didn't talk about the fact that, yeah, mom and dad are still with us, mom has dementia, mom has Alzheimer's, that money can go very quickly, very quickly. So don't just look at the money, right? Look at the look at the person holistically. Look at that relationship holistically, and then give that guidance to be able to help them say, "Okay, this is what the family dynamic looks like now. What's the future? What do you want this money to do for you, for the family, so on and so forth?" And then you can put the plan together, utilizing assets, liabilities, income, expenses. So I know it's hard. You know, it's, it's easy to say that once you've been in the business for years and you've seen the the good, bad, and ugly. But I, I would say focus focus on the family. Focus on on the future goals and then make the finances yeah, third. Yeah. That con- context, hey, bringing yeah. this into perspective, like how did, how did this get about? Yeah. Mac, yeah. if I understand correctly, you've now transitioned out of your advice role. And so I'm wondering how difficult was it to actually give up dealing with clients and like giving up those relationships that I'm guessing probably span like maybe a few decades even. Yeah. <laughs> they still call me, actually. <laughs> they, they still, they still reach out That's to me. Look, look, I know, I know you're not my guy anymore, but you're still my guy. Uh, and I, I, so I, I may not be compensated based on any sort of structure 
Uh, but you know, once you serve that role in people's lives, it's, it's, it's hard to sort of step away. But, um, yeah, for me, what it was is the financial advisory role that I served and helped people for years, it, 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 it made me who I am today. Uh, but this fintech space is, is fascinating. And, uh, the ability to sort of build that bridge between the financial literacy and the financial technology it's a very captivating, um, captivating challenge. So uh, this year, stepped away and, and now working in, in Finlet Tech full time to develop these uh, these platforms and work on some other things that I always had in the back of my head that I really wanted to get out there. Uh, we're looking at Motivate Your Money, my first book. We're developing a multimedia financial education platform uh, based on that, and so it, it's allowing me to really you know, put my full energy into this space and, and, um, and, and get out there and speak at conferences and, and do all these fun things. And, Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm still a CFP. I plan on being a CFP, uh, for, for quite some time. And so, uh, I, I, I will continue to serve in that role, uh, but really looking to utilize technology to really expand and, and leverage and, and scale, uh, scale our message. Yeah. I was, the word scaling your impact was just popped into my head. How do you deal with the responsibility of this, of this task? The easy answer is you, you, you just, you just do it. You know, um, it, it's like asking someone who does what they do for a living. Like, uh, why do you do it? How do you, it's like, I, I don't know any other way. I, I've been doing this for so long and, and helping serve as a guide, a financial guide for people in some way, shape or form, you know, uh, I, I, in fact, something that is driving us and driving me personally, people ask about the proliferation of social media and how social media as a tool is bringing a lot more information and advice to people and making it easily available and readily available. That's the pro. The con is it's making things easily and readily available and providing platforms for folks that may not be the most reputable or may not be the most, uh, you know, credentialed resource to, to, to be giving advice. And so that's one of the things that we're really looking to do is to serve as a, as, as a, as a credible experienced uh, resource in the financial literacy um, space that, you know, parents feel comfortable about, you know, we want folks when they hear, Hey, the four money bears, okay, you know what? That's, that's, that's a good place to go. That's a good place to learn. I'm going to help have my kids read this book or play this game, uh, motivate your money. You know, we, we want it to be something where, okay, you know what? The, 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 this brand or this place is a good place to go, a safe place to go to get good, solid information about your personal finances. So, that's really what's driving us, man. You, you mentioned the, the passion. I, I like to say that you can't fake passion. You're passionate about doing something or you're not. And um, this is an opportunity to, to sort of channel this passion and, and, and help as many people as we can. I can see how you're just exploring different paths and saying, okay, this is taking us down, down this road and it's making a massive impact on the people that are getting to consume this. Yeah, yeah. And if, if you can, what do they say, try to... Try to uh, try to solve a problem in life and in the world. Uh, our BHAG, our big, hairy, audacious goal is for every child in the world to start learning about money through the four money bears. So that's the goal. We put it out there and we're, we're on a mission to, to teach kids money. Mac, what advice would you give to parents that might have 
difficulty with starting these rela- these discussions with their kids because of their own relationship with money? Like, where do they start? They start with acknowledging that um, it's important, that understanding and learning about your finances is, is important, not just now, but later. Um, I like to say that the financial planning life journey is a long one. Uh, sadly, people really don't start focusing on it until later on in life. Um, here in the States, there are 23 states that offer some sort of financial literacy requirement offering. I think 14 states now actually require it. But if you think about that, that typically doesn't happen to your senior year of high school, right? Studies show that your connectivity with money starts at age seven. So that's like a 10-year gap if you happen to be living in a space in a state that, that, that offers that. So if you're a parent, I think one, acknowledging that it's important. And then two, just feeling comfortable talking to your kid about it and 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 understanding that they understand. That's the big thing. I think I, I'm a parent. I've got three children. I've got a 15-year-old daughter, a 14-year-old son, a seven-year-old son. And the the, the trigger for me and it's actually in the book. You probably read it. That bear family, that's my family. That's me, my wife, my three kids going to the grocery store or going to the store on the weekends. And the first place they run off to is the toy aisle. And it's like, no, no. Yeah, we're fortunate that we can afford to buy you something every time we come out here. But you need to have a better understanding of what, what money is and what it does and how it works in your life. And so – um, it is hard if you're a parent that that never got that education yourself to try to impart it on your child. But I think with what's going on in the economy and a lot of things that's going on in the world today, um, we're we're hearing a lot more in media about financial literacy, financial wellness, and all these different things. And I think people are are out there looking for resources. And if you've got a little one and you want them to. Like, like start early and, and, and have a fun and entertaining and engaging way to start the conversation. We, we're hoping that the Four Money Bears is, is where you turn. Mac, this seems to be so close to the financial therapy work. And if I'm, I'm following a lot of financial therapists and it seems like the emotions are really driving a lot of our money decisions, irrespective of what age. Like when do we need to unpack the emotions behind the money with our kids? Or do we just start with, hey, this, this is a good place. This is good enough. It's so funny you say that. I'm not sure if you're going to see it on the, on the, but on my first book, it's probably backwards here. I literally write on the cover of my first book, your emotions should be colorful. Your finances should be black and white to acknowledge that. Yes. Emotions sadly drive a lot of the decisions that we make, but you can't let them because our finances could give a a darn (laughs) about what your emotions are and how you're feeling, so on and so forth, you know, assets, liabilities, income expenses, it's it's pretty, pretty cut and dry. But uh, I, uh, back to the whole habits, behaviors, traits, right? Uh, I definitely believe that by starting these healthy habits early, it can help to get some of that emotional stuff out of the way, or maybe not necessarily be as big of a factor. Uh, right, uh, because you're right. Our, our 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 financial decisions are based by our culture, based by our history, based on our education. All these different pieces, ingredients go into how we engage and interact with money. But one of the things I like to say is, people care what you sound like, people care what you look like, people care where you're from. Money doesn't. Money's just a tool. It's literally just a tool. So the earlier we can learn how to use that tool 
and 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 give it rules and 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 uh, you know handle it and manage it properly. The emotional stuff will be there, but that to me, in my mind, is sort of the groundwork that we all need to have. And then, of course, you're going to have times when you want to go and binge and do silly things, but at least you have those groundworks of, of, of what your money should be doing for you. That's so interesting, Mike, because when you listen to guys like Ramit Sethi that talks about automating almost everything so that you don't have to make those decisions, like how do you balance those two? Um, I agree in a lot of respects. So the first thing that popped into mind when I, when I think of automation is, you know, you, you've got those four functions of money. And if you, from a very early age, can start automating, okay, you know what? This is the money that's going to go to this account. This is money that's going to go to savings. This is the money that's going to go into investing. And this is money that I'm going to set aside to give to someone else. It, it sort of allows your, your money to work for you. I like to say that your money can work harder for you than you can ever work for your money. Right. So think about it. If when you look at that in the context of financial wellness and financial stress, right, the folks that don't have that structure, that don't have that plan, that overspend, that don't save enough, that don't you have that you know, disposable income to invest, it just compounds. Right. So you've got issues with your money and then that issue turns into other things. And then it's, it's hard to, to, to get out of that spiral. Whereas if you start a process early, some sort of plan early and have something going, that's one less thing to have to worry about and one less thing to have to drive those emotions. So it's still applying the thought pattern, but then saying, I don't have to make this decision every month. I have these defaults. Like this is where the channels would go. Yeah. 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 It, I mean, I think it, it, it could definitely help. Again, technology, the tech, we're, we're, we're so blessed, Lewis, we've been living in a, in a day and age where the technology is around for us to be able to do this and do these things and automate some of these aspects of our financial lives. And I just think more people need to be aware of these things. And um, the, more we can, the more we can get the word out, like through your podcast, about these resources that are available, I personally believe that advisors, certified financial planners or not, are some of the best resources to teach financial literacy and financial education in communities. Um, you asked earlier, what did I not expect to happen? I did not expect for financial advisors across the country to be utilizing our book as a tool <laughs> to give to their kid, their clients with young kids. Um, and that came about through a, a collaboration, a partnership with eMoney several years ago and you know came to the conference and started talking about the importance of financial literacy at an early age and so i i'd never thought that and um a blessed to 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 have that space in the financial advisory world to, to help people this definitely is a global community of financial planners and advisors that i think that just want to make things a little bit better and a little bit easier for our clients yeah. and you are definitely doing it mac I want to thank you so much for being here today and sharing your passion. It's something that you cannot fake <laughs> and um, it shows in the work that you do. If people want to reach out to you to learn a bit more, what's the best way for them to get hold of you? You can learn more about the Four Money Bears at our website, uh, www.the4moneybears. I spell out the and four because some people put the number four in there and it's like, no, it's actually the four money bears spell out.com. You can actually download the demo of the Four Money Bears Berryville. It's out and available on the Apple Store as well as Android. Uh, and you can uh, learn about our books. You can find our books on Amazon as well. Seems like you buy anything, anything on Amazon nowadays. Um, and, uh, you know, 
uh, if you want to learn, uh, see a little bit of the videos that we do and some of the work that we're doing in the financial literacy technology space, you can find uh, information at www.finlittech.com. And uh, Louis, again, thank you so much for for having me on the show. Uh, follow what you do and the work that you do. And it's, it's again, an honor to, to be here and to share these stories and share these ideas and these really cool projects we're working on. And as I like to say, uh, the journey continues. Thank you so much, Mac. Thanks for having me.